Well, welcome to Sisterhood. It's so amazing to see you. And I want to give a special welcome to anyone that maybe this is your very first time at a sisterhood table. We're so, so thrilled to have you. And whether you're single or married, maybe you're a grandma, maybe you're a college student, my heart has always been that all the generations would come together because we can all learn from each other. And I love that. So I love that we have such a diverse group of people. And um, I want to welcome everyone, all of our other campuses as well, that will be joining us. And the very first week of Sisterhood, I always give um, a few little ground rules. And I, I want to do that for those that are new. Because I want the people that maybe have never been a part of Sisterhood before to know that Sisterhood is really a safe place. And this is a place where we value honesty and vulnerability, and we just really want to share life with you. And so whether that is maybe you're celebrating a really big victory, or maybe you're going through something really, really tough. And what we want to do as women in this place is come around you and do life with you. And we want to build trustworthy friendships. But we do that by always speaking life and always encouraging one another. Um, we don't gossip and we don't talk about each other after we leave this place, but we are just, again, a place of safety. So I want everyone that's new to know that. So we are going to jump right into our first lesson, and it is called Hear and Heed, and it is being taken from the verses that were actually our sparkle theme verses. We do that every fall. We kind of go off of what our sparkle theme was, and then we go through it over the next few weeks and just kind of unpack the verses. So it's coming from Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, Paul is the writer of Colossians, and he said we are to walk out our journey with Christ the same way that we received him. And to grow in the Lord, we need to remember how we got into this relationship in the first place. Because he tells us how we got in is how we're going to continue to grow. And now maybe some, someone is here, or maybe several people are here, that have never asked Jesus to be their Savior before. Maybe you're here at Sisterhood, you were drugged here by a friend, or you've never just made that commitment to him. And my prayer is that by the end of this semester, you would just really be wanting and longing for a relationship with Jesus and the leaders at your table would be thrilled to help you out with that. So the Bible tells us that we are saved by grace through faith. So you could say that grace plus faith equals salvation. So this is how we received Jesus as Lord and this is how we need to continue to walk in him. So grace is God's part. It's the good news of salvation and all that God has done for us. And it's really nothing that we deserve. It's unmerited favor. But faith, on the other hand, that's our part. We receive his grace by believing that he's done what he promised. So if we're going to walk out this journey in the same way that we began it, we can see that our part through the whole thing is faith. Every time we discover more about God or see something that's been promised in his word, we're getting a revelation of God's grace, and we receive this grace by faith. So this semester, we're going to talk about growing up 
or maturing. I think too many people get saved and then they just stay there. They're like, okay, I'm in, I got, I got insurance, right? I'm going to heaven and that's all I need. Some people grow to the point where they're just comfortable, but then they stay there. They don't wanna be taken outside of their comfort zone. So it's possible to be saved and stuck, but that's not where we wanna be. We wanna be women that are continuing to grow in our faith. And we wanna continue to learn what God's grace offers and then receive it by faith. So today we're gonna focus on hearing and heeding the wisdom of God. And that word heeding just means to pay careful attention to. So the first thing we need to do is we need to hear it. When it comes to growing in the Lord, it's essential that we learn to hear his wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 23, 19 says, as you listen to me, my beloved child, you will grow in wisdom and your heart will be drawn into understanding which will empower you to make right decisions. I don't know about you, but I definitely need power to make right decisions. I mean, we have so many decisions to make every single day, but the huge decisions like raising our children or maybe who we should marry, where we should live, just whether or not we should open up our mouth to our family members and share at a certain time, right? There's so many things that we need to make decisions on. And God provides this wisdom and understanding, and that's his grace. And then we act on that by faith. So if we look at this promise, that if we listen and grow in wisdom and understanding, and we believe it, then we respond by listening. So listening is our act of faith. Now, there are many ways that we hear God because he speaks to us in a variety of ways. He speaks to us through his word, obviously. He can speak to us through other people. He can speak to us in a still, small voice. He can speak to us maybe in like a vision or a picture or even a, a single word. He reveals his character um, just in the creation around us. I know sometimes I just feel this deep sense of peace or maybe just the strength to fight a battle. Well, all of that is God's voice. He speaks to your spirit and your spirit hears him. So you don't even need actual natural ears to hear God. I think so many people think, oh, God speaks audibly and I've never heard him do that. No, but our part is the listening. God chooses what we need to hear and when we need to hear it. We just need to pay attention. So we need to develop a posture of being a listener and a pattern of going to him first rather than to everything or everybody else, right? Maybe it's the internet or our friends or our spouse. Whatever it is, we need to start going to him first. Now, in the book of Acts, there's a story of Paul and Silas who met with persecution as they tried to share the gospel with the people in Thessalonica. And because of this persecution, the believers were trying to escape them and get them out of the area. In Acts 17, 10 and 11, it says, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. 
So these Bereans had already read and believed in the Old Testament. So when Paul and Silas came and began sharing, they were listening and they were realizing, hey, this lines up with what we heard. So what made the difference between the Bereans and the the people in Thessalonica, well, the difference was the Bereans were ready to receive. They were willing and able to put time into the scriptures to, to figure out, is this really following with what we know to be true? So they did their part of their equation. They were listening and they were ready to receive. So if you want to hear God better, you need to apply faith to the equation. God has already done all the heavy lifting, but he just asks a response from us. So you can respond in faith by reading, by studying, by memorizing scripture. You can set aside time during your day to listen to his voice. And you can hear him speak in so many ways if you apply your heart to listen. And this is how you show God that you're ready to receive. God has invited you to ask for wisdom and he's committed to our receiving his wisdom that he even gave us a pre-written prayer. And Paul gave it to us in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to just look at one of those verses today. But it says in Ephesians 1 verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, there's a lot of words in that verse that we could concentrate on. And I think a lot of times we put like wisdom, revelation, knowledge, we kind of bundle those all together when actually they all mean different things. But it's interesting because the word that I want to focus on out of all those words is the word in. In the Greek, the word in is very similar, it's en, and it just denotes a fixed position in place, time, or state. It's a, a position of rest between a point of origin and a point of destination. So in other words, this word for in is speaking of a place between where you were and where you wanna be. So in the case of this prayer, you were ignorant, but you want to be in the place of having wisdom and revelation in the Lord. So the place we are in is knowledge. Paul prayed that the Ephesians would be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So I'm gonna to try to explain it this way. Uh, picture a room called knowledge, which contains everything that you know about God up to this point. It's, it's knowledge, the room of knowledge. And suddenly the door opens and in walks wisdom. And wisdom looks around and it takes something from your knowledge and it gives it to you and it helps you make a tough decision. So you have just been made wise in the knowledge of him. Now let's say you're in your room of knowledge and another door opens and in walks revelation. And Revelation walks in and sees, okay, this is what you know of God. I'm going to take a couple of these things and put them together and help you see something that you've never seen before. That's the spirit of revelation in your knowledge. I hope that makes sense. If we have wisdom and knowledge, wisdom and revelation in knowledge, then we have to begin with knowledge. That's the room that we're in and we have to begin there. We need to put something in that room that wisdom and revelation can draw from. So, how do we do that? Well, again, we have to read and study 
and memorize or meditate on the word of God, which is his knowledge, and then he will bring them wisdom and revelation. Paul was praying, Father, please give the Ephesians wisdom and revelation while they rest in what they know of you. Now, you might be thinking, well, I don't know how much is in my knowledge room. <laughs> Maybe you're thinking that, right? Like, well, I never went to Bible college or, you know, I haven't really read much of the Bible. Well, guess what? The good news is, it's not hard to do because you just need to read the Word of God. The Word of God is knowledge, and the Word of God is Jesus. So if you know the Word, you know Jesus. It all comes together. Not only that, but anytime you receive knowledge of the Word of God, you've heard Him speak. It's amazing. If you're a person who says, I don't hear from God, I hear this all the time. People, again, like I was saying, people think they hear him with his, your natural ears, they, that it's an audible voice, and that's not how God speaks. It may be, he may speak to you that way, but I know I've never heard an audible voice in speaking with God, but I speak with him all the time. You do hear him, and every bit of knowledge that you have of him has come because of what someone has spoken or what you've read. So we need to be a listener. We need to be ready to receive, and that is our act of faith. The second thing we need to do after we hear is we need to recognize whether what we are hearing is God or not. But when you've committed to hearing the Lord, Satan takes notice of that. And a believer who hears from the Lord and acts on what they hear has proven to be very detrimental to what Satan is trying to do. He diligently wants to stop us from hearing God. And the enemy is very crafty, and he's very subtle, and we have to be aware of his schemes. It's not that we want to focus on the enemy, because then he's already taken our eyes off of Jesus, right? We're not going to give him all the credit, but we just need to be aware that he's out there, and he's coming after us with a lot of subtlety and a lot of he's been at this for a long long time okay he is a master in subtlety and creativity because the longer you walk with the lord the more mature you get in your faith you're not going to just fall for for something easy if you're a mature believer and the enemy knows that so he has to be extra crafty and extra subtle and one of the tactics that he uses is that of distraction Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. So the enemy's goal is to get you to turn your focus and alter your course even if it's just slightly. That's how he does it really subtly because that's why he likes to use distraction, because it can be really subtle. You can actually fill your life full of a lot of good things, but just because it's good doesn't mean it's from God. It doesn't mean that that's what he's necessarily wanting you to do. You need to look at it, is, is this an assignment from God or is this just something really good? There's a lot of great things that we can do, but we can also crowd our lives so full of good things that we have little time left for God. 
Uh, I remember Rob had a professor in Bible college that had this little saying, and it was really cheesy, but I always remembered it because it was really catchy. And he used to say, an inch to the devil is an inch too much because he'll inch you in, he'll inch you till he's got you in your clutch, and in his clutch. So I know that's kind of cheesy, but it's really true, and I've always remembered it. So a little sayings like that. It's true. He wants to get you just a little quarter turn off. Because when you get a little corner turn off, then you start going in the wrong direction. So he doesn't have to come at you and smack you in the face, but he's just going to be really, really subtle. So here's how to know if you are failing at the distraction tactic. And that is if you cannot find any time within your day to spend with the Lord. Not even 15 minutes. That is... The, the point to know that you're failing because time with the Lord is so, it's the most important thing of all. And let me clarify, I know there are seasons that we go through, right? Maybe you have young children and you feel like you have zero control over your time. But um, I just want to encourage you that, that you actually do. And I just want to give you a few tips for protecting your focus from distraction. First of all, use what you do have. Maybe if you're in one of those incredibly busy seasons, you need to take inventory of what you do have to work with. So let's say you have young kids, you have toddlers running around, and you literally are always working with your hands. Maybe you're making lunch, you're changing diapers, and you're doing a lot of things physically. But mentally, you still have room in your head, right? So you, rather than having time to sit down and read, maybe you can listen. You can listen to an audio Bible. There's so many podcasts out there. I know I found that when I turn my phone to uh, an interesting voice, like give it a really cool accent, like maybe an Australian or an English accent, um, it helps to keep my attention a little bit more. So um, just getting that word in us however you can do it. 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3 says, Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. The second thing we can do is ponder the word. Now, this word ponder it means the same thing as meditation, and it just refers to turning the word of God over and over in your mind meditating on it. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a, a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I love these verses talking about this tree that lives by the stream and it's getting all the water and all the sustenance that it needs and then it produces a healthy and fruitful and prosperous tree. And this beautiful picture is not meant to be talking about trees, it's actually meant to be talking about us. It's the description of a person who meditates on God's word. When you're constantly in his word, and pondering it and meditating on it, you're gonna get all the sustenance that you need. The great thing is that having this kind of life is not that difficult. 
Your mind is already trained to ponder. But if we're not intentional about what we ponder about, we will always default to worry. Did you re do you know that worry and ponder are the same thing? Actually, worry and, and meditation and pondering, it all means the same thing, but it's just focused on different subject matter. Worry is pondering about all the things that could go wrong, whereas meditation on God's word is focusing on what is true and right. So since your mind already ponders, all you have to do is give it good material. Write a scripture on a card and carry it around with you. Or I'm sure almost all of us have smartphones, right? We have literally the Bible right on our phone. We can access it any time we want. And I know that um, when I was struggling with anxiety and I was working full time and the kids were young teens and I would literally write all my verses down on note cards and I had them like posted all over my cubicle. I'd have them in my purse with me. So then when I was standing in line at Target or wherever it was, I could whip those cards out. I always had the word of God and you have your phone, you can have note cards, but to be intentional about it. The Holy Spirit will take what you ponder and use that to change your life. God's word really is life-changing. All right, a third way to keep your focus is to talk to God, not just yourself. Now, since we spend such a large portion of our day thinking, um, think about it. We ponder, and we worry, and we consider, and we... Um, do have all these thoughts, we might talk to ourselves out loud, but we're always talking to ourselves in our head. And whatever goes on in our head, we could actually turn all of that into prayer. Think about it. We can make it a conversation with God rather than just ourselves. We can turn our worries into prayers. And we can learn that that inner dialogue can be with Him. And then we also have to remember to take time to listen as well, because a dialogue means both ways, right? Philippians 4, 6, one of my favorite verses, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, tell God what you need, and thank him for all he's done. Another thing we can do is praise and worship, right? We can literally praise God all day long. And by praise, I mean, we, it's not just singing, singing is great. I love singing in my car. I always have praise and worship on. Actually, when I get up in the morning, praise and worship's on the whole time I'm getting ready. Then when I'm in the car driving, praise and worship is on. But you can praise God all day long. You can see a beautiful sunset. You can see a beautiful lake or drive by a beautiful tree and just praise God for that. There's so many things in our lives we can praise him for. And acknowledging him as the source of our blessings, that is praise, and praise is so powerful. Psalm 100 verses 4 and 5 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. So true. All right, the last way to keep from being distracted is to dig deeper. When you do have the blessing of time, there's no better way to spend it than pursuing God and digging into his word. Time is a gift, and if we use that to honor God and dig into his word, it's going to show how much we value him. 
2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. There are so many ways to approach studying the Bible and digging deeper, but the best way i found is just to ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, is there something that you want me to dig into? I know sometimes if you read a chapter or a verse, maybe you just get stuck there and you, you just kind of keep dwelling on it. That's the Holy Spirit telling you, like, dig deeper into that. Maybe there's a word. Maybe, you know, you're thinking, well, what is the word, you know, forgiveness really mean? Or what does the word redemption mean? You can dig in and do so much research. Maybe you feel like God is just breathing on a certain topic over and over. Dig into that. It's so fun to just find out all the different truths that are in the word. And it's interesting that when we begin to focus on a certain topic in the Bible, don't you know that we'll start seeing it everywhere, right? You'll go to Facebook and all of a sudden these same verses will pop up. It's the same way with maybe if you get a new car, don't you see all the same? You're like, oh my gosh, I never realized there were so many Camrys out here. It's just when you start digging into something, you're going to see all these ways. God's going to help reveal himself to you because he wants you to know more about him. And he's so happy that you're longing to know him. Maybe all this is new to you. And I would just say, take 15 minutes every day and just commit to it and say, God, I'm going to read your word 15 minutes every day. Would you please speak to me? And the more you're in his word, the more you want to be in his word. It's, it's just exciting. Uh, John Maxwell said, if your habits don't line up with your dream, then you, e neither, you either need to change your habits or change your dream. So if we think of being close to God as being a dream, which I hope you do, then our habits need to support that dream. If we really want to grow in this relationship, then our daily habits should reflect that desire. Because growth is your choice. You can be as close to God as you choose to be. So finally, the last step in our hear and heed process is to live it. As we are trying to hear God and protect our, or protect our pursuit of him against distraction, he is going to make sure that we hear him. And then once we hear him, we have the responsibility of doing what he says. Proverbs 23.12 says, Commit yourself to instruction. Listen carefully to words of knowledge. This, this verse doesn't say to consider listening. It says to commit. Be fully committed to obeying it. Remember the equation that grace plus faith equals salvation. This is true when we receive Christ and as we continue to walk with him. He gives us wisdom by his grace and then our act of faith is first to listen and then to obey. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. When you hear God speak that it's time to forgive that person that has hurt you, then it's time to forgive. When you hear him say, you know what, I don't want you doing those things anymore. You need to change the way you say that or do that. We need to obey that. And it's not always going to make sense. And it's not always going to feel good or easy, 
but we still need to obey. We can obey him because we know that he loves us and we know that he has our best interests in mind because God is good. Goodness is his nature. And as we commit to obeying what he com commands, we can expect the result of that obedience to be blessing. And I'm gonna leave you with this final verse from Proverbs 24, verses 13 and 14. It says, my child, eat honey for it is good, and the honeycomb is sweet to the taste. In the same way, wisdom is sweet to your soul. If you find it, you will have a bright future and your hopes will not be cut short. That is a wonderful promise. You will have a wonderful and bright future. God is good. Goodness is his nature. So let's listen. Let's be in that posture to listen and receive and then obey him. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word, Lord. God, I pray that you would help us to be in your word, God, to hear it, to recognize your voice, God. You speak to us in so many different ways, Lord, and I pray that we would just begin to recognize your voice and to hear it within our spirit, God, and then help us to act and to do what you've called us to do. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for each of these women around our table, God. I just pray for great connections and great discussion now in Jesus' name. Amen.